We have an insert uh, in your bulletin that has scripture passages and it has a couple of poems and so forth. And if you want to just take that out, and um, we are going to really be focusing on the, uh, the the first and the and the fourth scripture passage today, which we shared last week. Um, they are very good. They are very potent. So we're going to be focusing on them again today with part two. And um, why don't we read the first one and the fourth one together? How about that? As a person thinks, so they are, and whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything that's excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Amen. May God bless our understanding and our living of these words of abundant life. So this is not a question of if, but I wonder how many times in your life you ever wished you had a magic wand. That's what we're talking about today. Maybe you're hoping for something to happen, praying for something to happen. Um, Maybe you are hoping and praying, you wish you had a different result come through. And wouldn't it be great if you had a magic wand that you could use to make somebody else behave better, be nicer, fall in love with you? (laughs) Maybe that you could use on somebody else so that they could just get their act together. It would be a hot seller. There are a zillion times in my life that I have wished uh, for all these things and so many more. And of course, all that stuff is in the realm of make-believe. You can't do that stuff. But, as we began thinking about last week, we do have access to a very real and very powerful magic wand. And that is that we have the power to imagine Potential. We have the power to imagine the ideal of what can be. And sometimes this has been called things like the kingdom of God. It's been called uh, heaven on earth. It's been called God's ultimate will. Or your greatest potential. And take this that we can imagine and then with our efforts and with action and with our persistence, we can turn this hope and this possibility from imagination into reality. And this is not New Age thinking. I mean, it is part of New Age thinking. But what I'm talking about is not New Age thinking, and it's not wishful thinking, and it's not pop psychology. What we're talking about is is using the power that God gives each one of us Because, as it said in the scripture, and we read together, and it's true, as a person thinks, so they are. The Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu, back in 600 BC, said something very similar. Wrote, if you correct your mind, the rest of your life will fall into place. So for that reason... Be careful. Be full of care as to what you think about and as to what you put into your mind. 
because ingredients matter. <laughs> so a couple of weeks ago, um, I was away, I was in a restaurant, I was ordering breakfast, and on the breakfast menu, it listed something called farmer hash browns. And it sounded really good, and it came, and it was beautiful. And I took one bite, and my head almost blew off. My lips were on, I think there was actual flames on my lips, and, and I, now I actually like spicy food, but my stomach started convulsing. I started hiccuping. Does that ever happen to you? Like I said, my stomach is just like goes into these convulsions. And, and so I take a closer look and this thing is loaded, loaded with raw jalapeno peppers. And I mean loaded. I don't usually take pictures of my food, but on that scripture passage, what you see there, that was the breakfast. I couldn't believe it. Look at that pile of, these peppers were a 10. <clears throat> 11. It was 11. I turned it up to 11. So it's a great reminder to me. <laughs> I look at that picture and I go, you know what? Different ingredients bring different results. Now you're probably thinking, you know, tell me something I don't know, right? This is obvious, right? But the funny thing I found in life, though, is that we, we know this stuff and we respect it when it comes to things like jalapeno peppers and things like that. I think we just seem to respect it less when it comes to the ingredients that we put into our mind and into our soul. As I mentioned last week in part one, this is why our scriptures take great care to tell us things like, you know, if you would like to experience an uplifting life, if you would like to experience a loving life, a free life, be open relationally, a generous life, if you'd like to have that experience of what it feels like to be contributing to the good of others, to the good of the world, if you want the sense of well-being and joy, then think about these things, it says. And our faith goes on page after page in great detail throughout, saying this is the ingredients that you put in to get a life like that. And it again includes things like the obvious, like being loving, forgiving, not judging, generous, being uplifting, not selfish, not greedy, caring more about people than things, treating your life and every life as something sacred and of value. Think about and genuinely become these things, and guaranteed, you will create a life of strength and meaning and well-being and calm resolve, resilience, happiness, joy, all of it. Because as you think, so shall you become. So step one is just knowing this. 
Step two <laughs> is the practice. How do you do it? Well, last week we ended our time together with a very powerful poem that was titled Reality. And it's one person's take on how she viewed the world and her place in it. And if you read the poem one way, the normal way, from the top down, then, and I could feel it when we read this together, it was incredibly depressing, wasn't it? Just super negative and limiting and, and blaming and unfair, and this is everything that's wrong and not possible. But then as we took those exact same words and we read them from a, using a different approach from the bottom up, exact same words, instantly the message became one of hope and strength and possibility. It was wild. And people loved that poem. So much, I got so much feedback on it and everything. Not only did you love it, but I, I know that that poem was then sent on to so many people, so many of your family and friends, right? I'm seeing the nodding heads and stuff all over the country. So um, just as an aside, we do have extra copies of that in case you didn't see it or if you want more copies or whatever in, in the narthex. The real magic wand that God gives us is this power is this power. So over the summer, along these lines, um, on the physical sense, I, I read a, a great book having to do with our physical health. And it was recommended, and she's here today, by a very good friend, one of our deacons, church member, Chrissy Gould. And it's called Outlive. Have ever, any of you seen this book? Read it? Highly recommend this book. Wonderful. And it's subtitled, The Science and Art of Longevity. And I love it because it deals with this awareness and practice of choosing well from among all the variables that we have to do with our physical health and with our longevity, where if we adjust the dial one way, and if we turn the dial up on things like again, we know processed foods, saturated fat, sugar, then our life is most likely going to be shorter. And we're going to create ill health. And you're not going to feel so good along the way. But you adjust the dial in a different direction, you get a vastly different result. Now, genetics, obviously, is going to have the last word but the bottom line is, we have a lot of control. Water, minerals, fat, protein, exercise, sleep, healthy weight. And he also points to some easy behavioral changes, wearing a seatbelt, not smoking, moderate drinking, hundreds of others. So there's these physical dials that we have under our control. And then we have the ingredients that impact our mental health. And these ingredients are almost limitless. What information, what thought patterns, what philosophies, what experiences, what memories do we intentionally create and put into our minds? So Laura shared with me an article the other day um, that was written by a, a neurologist. And he talked about the impact of 
what you think about the very last thing right before you go to sleep and how that affects what follows. The article said from a neurological standpoint, your brain doesn't differentiate between a real-life experience and one that you think of in your mind or remember, recall. If you recall or rehash the very last thing before you, your head hits the pillow, all the people and all of the experiences that disappointed you during the day and people who bugged you and annoyed you and everything that went wrong, for one thing, you're feeding this to your brain and your brain lives all these experiences all over again as if they were real for the second time. So what you're intentionally feeding yourself and digesting all over again is like a whole meal of jalapeno peppers. <laughs> On the other hand, if at the end of the day you recall the reasons for your gratitude, how are you blessed? What were the moments of grace? What were the moments of, of opportunity that, that you would like to do better and goals that you'd like to set? If you set your intention on, on these desires, then all night long, your brain is going to unconsciously work to create plans and possibilities to help make those things come to life. And neurologists and psychologists say that over time, this will help steer you to become these things. It also said, it ended up saying, try doing this for a month and you notice what difference it makes. So that's what you can do a practice at the last part of the day. How about the first part of the day? Same thing. What we feed ourselves in the first part of the day. What do you feed yourself? What do you notice? What do you pay attention to right when you wake up? There are practices. If you know Laura, you know that she gets fed by music. She always loves to have music going on. Me, not so much. Quiet. <laughs> Laura, the music. So, so, so over the summer, what she did was she created her anti-stress playlist. And I think it's great. It has only, it only includes positive, nourishing, happy, loving, motivational, calming songs. And for the past few weeks, we've been starting every day, every morning, sometimes listening to it many times, a certain song. You guessed it. Bob Marley's Three Little Birds. <laughs> Do you know, anybody of you know this song? Yeah, right? Go singing, don't worry about a thing. Because every little thing is going to be all right. Sing and don't worry about a thing. Because <laughs> every little thing is going to be all right. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And I was thinking about this and it's like, you know, that's not superficial. That's like 23rd Psalm. Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Makes me lie down in green pastures, leave me beside still waters. 
He restores my soul. That's a great thing to feed yourself in the morning. Great song, some, some scripture. You know, and over and over, that kind of thing, it changes you. So there's knowing and there's practice. What are some other practices? Song, scripture. Scriptures, you know, we get, uh, we get different scriptures every Sunday. And some people I know take these home, they circle them and make notes or whatever, stick them on their refrigerator, stick them in your Bible, you know, stick them in your pocket, carrying around, take a look during the week. And then the impact continues. You can start your day, obviously, with yoga, walk, exercise, meditation, you know, getting your kids dressed if you have young kids. And you, you might hear that and just go, whoa, I don't think so. <laughs> We've had four kids, you know. You can, you can actually approach, and you can say to yourself, you know, getting ki kids dressed in the morning, that's going to be my spiritual practice. And you approach it that way, just like doing dishes. Sometimes in Eastern traditions, doing, they say, you know, doing dishes, make that your spiritual practice. And then you do them differently. And it works. Some people start their day before anyone is up with a little devotional reading. There's a, an app, uh, and it's also a book that a lot of people love called Jesus Calling. It has a little scripture and a little reflection for every day. We're using one in, in men's group um, last year called The Uncommon Life. That's a daily devotional. A lot of guys like it. It's written by a guy named Tony Dungy, who is a, a, a Super Bowl winning football coach. Um, every day there's a scripture passage, and every day there's, it's somehow linked to football. So, <laughs> you know, some people like to start their day beholding the sunrise. I know a guy who has, oh my God, he has so many sunrise pictures that he, that he posts on Facebook from his home. And you behold the sunrise. You can thank God for the day. Prayer. Prayer. Any of you watch um, U.S. Open Women's Finals at the end of it? Coco Goff, right? How many, how many of you saw that? Wow, right? Coco Goff at the end of it. She just won the U.S. Open for women. One of the youngest people ever, 19 years old, American. She just won, worked her way all through up and stuff, and she says a little prayer just, just to herself. She's just sitting there on the bench, very, very understated, and she just goes like this, right? And she's just and she's quiet. And it just generated so much curiosity. And, and the, the interviewer said, were you saying a prayer? And she said, yes. And, and they said, well, what do you pray about? It's like this whole new thing. Like, what do you pray about? She said, I never pray to win. I just pray, and you probably heard this, right? You know, I just pray to do my best, that nobody gets injured, to use God, the gifts that God gave me, and to say thank you. Very simple. Very powerful. Very powerful. I don't know how you felt when you saw that, if you saw that, that interview. It transformed a lot of people, really, and their understanding of, of spirituality in everyday life. All these things can, can help set you in one direction. And then some people, myself included, on more days than I care to admit, 
start off the day with the news. <laughs> different ingredients bring a different result. When I start off the day like that, to me it just doesn't feel so good. It doesn't feel as good as thanking God for my life and how I can use my gifts, beholding the sunrise. So either way though, either way, we control the dials of the input and the output. So there is knowing this, there's practicing this, and then there is something else which is huge, which is our expectations. These things that we tell ourselves about how we think things should be. And our expectations don't just play a part of our well-being. Our expectations, and this is going to sound like a lot, but our expectations completely control our sense of satisfaction or disappointment all the way from joy to outrage and all points in between. And it's a huge point. And because it's so big, and it's 1055, I'm going to keep us for another half an hour. No. That's, uh, that's going to be your focus for the next time. And that's what we're going to talk about. October 1st. Next Sunday is Mission Sunday. So October 1st. In the meantime, we set in our minds as a person thinks, so they are. Our faith equips us for life. To be at the controls, mentally, physically, spiritually. So think about these things. Amen. <laughs>